What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Stormcrow Comic Cast. We're calling this Volume 2, Issue 1. I'm Ruben G. I'm Kevin Merrill. And, of course, Saga. Totally, finally here. Very yeah. excited about this. Batman's in the past. Batman it's, is in the it's past. It's over. It's done. Maybe in the future, too. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. Um, certainly, before we get going, big warning. Listener discretion is definitely advised on this episode. Um, you know, as usual, we won't use any foul language, uh, but there's definitely mature discussion to be had yeah. with this book. So just a big heads up. Might be a good time to. Uh, Lots of adult themes and saga. So absolutely. Keep that in mind. You know, if you're listening out loud around whoever. Yes. So. Yes. So that being said, uh, let's dive right in. Cool. Um, first page, this- you know, really, I think I mentioned on the book how I sort of snuck the first two pages to my wife and she just ended up devouring it. And uh Literally, he had to buy a new copy. Yes. She loved it so much she ate it. It was that good. It was that good. <laughs> it's a delicacy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what Saga is. Really. Saga if you is, break it down, it's... It's just... Uh, it's for mignon. It's for all sorts of consumption. <laughs> That's right. So the book starts with um, Elena giving birth. Yeah. And, and her first line is... Um, you might know that when women give birth, they... Empty their bowels, I guess is the right, right way to say yeah. it. And um, th- that's what she's wondering. Am I, am I emptying my bowels? <laughs> it feels like I am. Yeah. Uh, but there's also this little narration, too, though. It, you know, at the, yes. at the top of the page is, this is how an idea becomes real. We don't have context for it yet, but very yeah. shortly we'll get a sense of what that's about. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a panel, right. as a lot of the time that sort of narration it's would be. It's part of the art. Yes, yes, it is literally part of the art. And my understanding is it is actually handwritten uh, when the art's being drawn by Fiona Staples. Nice, okay, I did not know that. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, they, they have a different guy doing the lettering or girl, I'm not sure. Who does the Inside the actual dialogue bubbles or what have you, right. what, whatever the technical term is. Phonographics is, is credited with the lettering. Okay. But, um, but certainly Fiona Staples does, does this narration and, and it very much looks handwritten. Um, as we get into it, I, I don't think it's a big deal. It is actually the narration of the main character, mm-hmm. the girl who is in the process of being Born. Of being born, yeah. yes. Um, and it sort of has this, it feels like a diary or a journal to me. And and that's sort of how she narrates these stories. And yeah. obviously, you know, this takes place before she's actually born. So she wasn't there for all the moments. Right. But it does feel like she's looking back on this history yeah. and sharing it with us. This, in a way, is sort of like Batman's eternal monologue in those comics, yeah. but done in a slightly different way. Right, right. She does seem to be omniscient to some degree. Yeah. That, you know, she's that, omnip- not omnipotent, but omniscient narrator or whatever. So, yeah, we, we continue on. And it, it's kind of humorous. Um, Marco, uh, the male lead, if you want to call him that, um, has his head fully up in her crotch, mm-hmm. uh, giving birth. And, and they're doing it, you know, without any doctors. And she, her, her comment, seriously, you'll never have sex with me again if I defecate all over you, unless you're secretly into that. Please don't be into that. <laughs> Some really funny, just humorous lines. And one of the things I love about this book, and I'm going to look for opportunities to bring this back up when it makes sense, is just how absurd and surreal and crazy and out there it is at points. And then how how much of the time it's down to earth, if Mm -hmm. you will, Uh, might be on a foreign planet, but it's so grounded. I mean, 
giving birth. It's both this mundane thing that happens yeah. all over the world all the time. And yet for individuals, it's a, a very miraculous experience. And sure. to me, the whole book sort of reflects that. Yeah. As crazy and sci-fi as this book is, there are things that happen that are very relatable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I totally relate with these characters. I really do. That's one of the things I enjoy. I think uh, Brian K. Vaughn, my first experience with him was yeah. Ex Machina. And, and it hit me in the same way that it was, there might be these crazy concepts, but I just so relate to these characters. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, one thing to point out too, and maybe Maybe we want to talk about this a little bit later on. These two main characters aren't human. Right. And they're not even the same species. Yes. This is some interspecies uh, relations going on. Yeah. Elena is from, I believe the planet is Landfall, mm -hmm. and she's a winged humanoid. She has these sort of insect-like wings. Um, and Marco is from Reef. The moon that orbits landfall is sort of these like ram horns or something. On yeah. The side. And as we continue through the book and meet new characters, uh, you'll see that a lot of the different uh, characters of these species, although they are the same species, have different sorts of wings and mm -hmm. different sorts of horns. Some might look like an antelope or in, in Marco's case, a ram. Uh, Elena's are, are wing like, uh, pardon me insect-like wings, mm -hmm. but then there's others that are feathered, clearly like birds and whatnot. But, yeah. but despite that, they're, they're largely humanoid. They've got arms and legs and whatnot. And more than that, as, as we discover in the book. Yeah. So he tells her to just keep pushing. We're so close. Yeah. So we are right in the middle of this, this, this birthing process. Uh, and the narration continues saying, but ideas are fragile things. Yeah. Um, next panel goes on. Um, and I really like um, Marco, right? Right, right, right. I like his character in this scene specifically because she's being, and rightly so, because she's going through a lot right now, but yes. she's very over the top, but yeah, he's like maintaining. He's the one that's being very grounded right now. He's, he's, he's definitely being affectionate towards oh, her. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. She's straining. Yeah. You know, obviously pregnancy is, is not always pretty, but, but his response is, you have never been as beautiful as you are right now. And it, and it's a beautiful picture. He looks so sincere. It's, it's kind of touching, you know, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. Narration continues saying, you know, most don't, don't live long outside of the ether from uh, which they were pulled kicking and screaming. Go on to the next page. And I love her response to what Marco said. She, she says, right, because nothing's more lovely than a fat woman spread Eagle on the back of an old, in the back of an old body shop, it's like something out of a fairy tale or. Yeah. And it, it, you know, this book is definitely touches on a lot of this sort of fairy tale ish and, yeah. and hero themes. And I don't know all the details about these, but it just feels like, um, you know, the name is saga mm -hmm. and it, it really does have a lot in common with some of the epic stories that, we're familiar with you yeah. know, whether Star Wars or, you know, Conan or maybe s stories from the Bible, you mm -hmm. know, uh, sort of a lot of those elements. So, yeah, they're having a baby and. And and he starts to cry, too, at some point, like she it looks like she's having this one last really big push. Right. And uh, he starts to tear up and she comments, she's saying, you're, you're crying. You never cry. What's wrong, Marco? What is it? And then you turn over and he says. It's a girl and he's got tears flowing down his face. And this is one of those moments, like even I, as someone who's not a parent can, can feel some emotional connection. To what's yeah. going on. I'm sure like if you are a parent, like it's that much more powerful of a right. moment. Yeah. 
And the, I mean, he's he's holding this newborn infant covered in afterbirth, the yeah. umbilical cord still attached, and interestingly, uh, just the small little touches of of horns. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a uh, he's got at least some of her daddy in her. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I, I love the narration here too because previous, you know, this. Uh, after talking about how people never really get far from the ether from which they're born, he goes, that's why people create with someone else. Two minds can sometimes improve the odds of an idea survival, but there are no guarantees. And it's very philosophical to me, yeah. it seems like. Um, but it's then poetry, dude, yeah. it feels it feels like these narrative bits just add this extra element and they're not yeah. always explaining stuff, right. but they're giving an emotional context yeah. and, for it. And the narrator is talking about these these big concepts, it seems right. like to me. But then, you know, on the it's a girl page. The narrator's just like, anyway, this is the day I was born. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> just kind of casually throwing it out there. Back to the mundane, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they do notice, uh, look, she's going to have your horns and your wings. So she truly is uh, both her, her mother's daughter and her father's daughter at the same time. We have some breastfeeding going on, too. Yeah. Kind of Marco, kind of funny, uh, trying to chomp off the umbilical cord uh, with his mouth. And but then I think this is a very important moment into learning about his character, sort of for the first time, because she points out that he has a sword. Yeah. He could just cut it with a sword instead of having right. to use his teeth. And um, you know, he says, "I made a vow. I'm a father now. I'm not a soldier." And he's never pulling out his sword again. And then, yeah. and then, just back to the funniness. He, he's trying to cut through with his teeth. Wasn't expecting this much gristle. <laughs> gristle, indeed. Yes. Uh, they fight about the name. It's yeah. it's really just some adorable, you know, kind of. I feel I feel a little hokey, but it, it's totally adorable moments. Yeah, and it, it kind of becomes an argument, and I like this too because you know she she says, "Are we really having a fight right now?" Because that's how we ended up making this one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> And then there's a big bang. Yeah. Too. So no pun intended. But yes, a, yes, indeed. There there is a noise and a ruckus. But before we go on, I briefly want to point out that uh they're talking about the baby and they mention wing bleeding. Mm-hmm. And uh Elaine is wing bleeding isn't religious, it's cultural. And you know, Marco feels that it's a barbaric ritual. Yes, mutilating and, the baby. Right. It reminds me of circumcision. Mm-hmm. It very much feels like this religious or cultural right. And, you know, some people are, are feel okay with it, accept it. And other people very much that it's, it's not a natural thing to yeah. do or whatever. You can, and this totally isn't the podcast for it, but there are some very interesting libertarian discussions on that subject, okay, okay, actually. Yeah. Because some people do consider it force. Right, know? right. So. You know, I it's am Jewish and I was circumcised. And I have mixed feelings about it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, look, it's clearly more healthy to be circumcised or whatever. But that's a little piece of me that I'm never getting back. (laughs) Welcome to this week's edition of the Stormcrow Comic Cast, where we talk about Ruben's penis. (laughs) Well, that might be most adult themes, folks. (laughs) Yes, adult themes. Uh, So the bang outside turns out to be. Baron Robot 23 of the Coalition Forces with a cadre of soldiers, winged soldiers, mm-hmm. so soldiers from a landfall. And we find out that Elena is AWOL. She has run off and they are coming to get her back. And uh, perhaps violently. 
Um, they scope around. Um, the baby has been born. So at this point, you know, they, they can run off. They're not in the middle of the act anymore. And uh, there's a hole in the roof. But Elena does point out that, you know, her wings are useless. Right. Uh, she's, she's too heavy. Yeah. Pretty much. Vestigial, perhaps. Yeah. But actually, you know, her dialogue. Okay. He says to her, he, he opens up that hole in the roof. He says, they never cover the roof. And she says, because they know my wings are useless, I couldn't fly a kite, much less all of this baby weight. Now, ordinarily, would she be able to fly? Well, or are her wings really, do they not serve? A- I am guessing that you yeah. are not current. You have not read the final issue that has actually been released yeah. because this does fit into later stories. It won't be part of volume one, but they've done uh, 18 issues. I think it's, it's three trades worth. And by the end of it, it does figure in. So without spoiling anything, uh, just remember if you continue with the saga that, Elena did not believe she could fly and this okay. will fit in without saying exactly what happens. She's under the impression she cannot. Okay. That so does spoiler alert. She turns into Superman. <laughs> yes. Yes. DC I, now publishes saga. Briefly. I want to describe the robots cause they're pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh, once again, they're humanoid. This one has sort of a cannon for an arm, but the big feature is their head mm-hmm. looks like a TV set. Yeah. It's, Totally funny. It's just really some great design, character design, all this stuff in the book. And, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of points where we just kind of want to describe what we're looking at. Right. It's really amusing. Because at different points through the story, uh, different things will pop up on their television screens. Or right. Whatever, depending right. on their emotions or what they're thinking. Yeah. So the they confront the soldiers and the robot confront uh, Elena and Marco. Yeah. And a little bit of banter going back and forth. I love this too. He says, drop whatever you're holding and put your hands in the air. And, and, and Elena re- responds with suck my hemorrhoids. <laughs> it's uh, and some more poetry, right? Yeah, there. exactly. You know, there's a lot of this stuff, you know, it's, it's in the middle of a war mm-hmm. and there's, uh, you know, all these epithets they use to sort of talk about the enemy, whether, you know, back in the Cold War, we may have called Russians just Ivan or, you know, whatever. Right. And I'm sure that there were a lot of expressions for Americans and whatnot. They call the uh, the the guys from Wreath with the horns uh, Moonies, yeah. which is, you know, somewhat amusing. Well, one of the uh, landfall soldiers... Uh, has a little device and says, uh, Demeter's picking up exotic matter. We've got magic incoming. And you, 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 we come over to the body shop owner who it turns out has ratted out, uh, Elena and Marco. He, he Marco had paid him off. Right. And this, this guy, whoever the owner double crossed him. Right. And that's why the, the robot is there. And then, in comes more of Marco's people. That's right. And and so these are more of the horned creatures, yeah. the, the humanoids. And they they have more of like cloaks and uh what should we call it? The you know, a lot of sashes and whatnot, sort of a more I don't know, religious sort of looking garb. Yeah. Um and they have swords. The uh the land fallian soldiers or whatever have have what appear to be pistols mm-hmm. and you know, various guns. It's very much so like a, a technology versus mysticism type thing going right, on. Right, right. But, you know, the reason why I pointed out about this this body shop owner, not only did he double-cross Elena and Marco, but he double 
double cross the the robot guy. Yeah. And he double crossed Kim. So he's just collecting money from everyone he can. Just yeah. a true businessman. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Although his uh, business ethics might come back to bite him. Yeah. Uh, the the Reithian, and, and pardon me for my language, but I'm going to go with Reithian and Landfallian. And okay. out there, I hope it's not uh, painful to your ears. They, I, they speak in a different language. I kind of notice it's it's very similar to Spanish. Right. It does appear that way, sort of the structure of the letters and words. Like, it's, it's not Spanish, but there are some words in common. Right. Like, I think at some point someone uses the word estas or something like right, that. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. Alta Soldato Marco, the sort of lead... Uh, I think they call him like a cleric or something like that. They come in sort of a, a bloom of fire and they appear. And really, we've got a showdown here yeah. of these two groups. And bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Dude, it's like there. Holy cow. Whenever they Doc. yeah, whenever they make the movie, they're hiring me for the sound effects. <laughs> yes. So. yes. Special announcement, everyone. I'm getting filthy rich. Yeah. Uh, it's a very dangerous place. Uh, the tensions rising up Marco and the baby and Elena, they, they hold each other just as all these soldiers open fire. And of course these pistols and the robot cannon arms, sort of like Mega Man, if you yeah. will, uh, they all open fire. It looks like some of the pistol fire hits Elena in the wing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of nixer. Mm -hmm. And then the, um, the Rethian soldiers, they let go, their swords emanate uh, some sort of energy blast. So they're firing back yeah. and man, slicing heads in half and decapitating people. And this is, this is some of the stuff I liked about Batman in there that without being gory, it's still somewhat grotesque yeah. and unsettling. Now, tops of heads being split off with the jawline and inside of the mouth exposed. Very brutal. Yeah. But without being hor horrifically gory. Right. And, and if you'll notice also the, the body shop owner has been hit. Yes. Yes. Business ethics, I tell you. Yeah. I tell you. There should be a law. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, so these guys cut each other to pieces, and somehow Marco, Elena, relatively untouched. I guess just yeah. Elena getting tagged in the wing. But both of the forces totally wiped each other out. Wiped out. These are bodies on the ground, weapons laid, bodies ripped Feathers. Apart. If you'll look, there's a few feathers on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's some mayhem. The uh, the body shop owner, who by the way, very uh, monkeyish, ape like. Yeah. Um, he has been tagged, but he is still alive and sort of <laughs> holding his intestines yeah. in. It's yeah. pretty brutal. Um, and he he talks briefly with uh, Marco specifically. It looks like here he hands her a map. He seems to be somewhat regretful. And here for you, pops. It's what I bought with the cash I got for selling you out. I know it don't make a square, but, but, and he collapses. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very small map sort of rolled up with a, what looks like a wax seal mm -hmm. sort of holding it together. Narrator says it was a time of war. Isn't it always? Right. And we do get a little bit of exposition about what this war is about. The different parties. Um, they are right now. The body shop is on this planet. Cleave. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's not on landfall or the moon wreath, yeah. but it's, it's where the, the battle is taking place. And this is really cool too, because on this page, 
where where the narrator is talk, talking about Cleve. I love how the the panel uh, the panels transition. So you have a very street level view. And she says, I was born on a planet called Cleave, an ancient ball of mud circling a faded old star. Then you pull out a little bit and you have right. kind of like a satellite looking view of the city, you know, the streets, but nothing's really in detail. It says uh, it never had, had much strate uh, strategic value, but the place still mattered to me anyway. And then pulls out even farther and you yep. and you see the planet itself. And, uh, and then the narrator goes on. See, this is where my parents met, but it's still not where they were from. And then it really pulls out to like I guess like the whole solar system or right, whatever the galaxy yeah, yeah. the ga and there's like this this star and it turns I guess it's really a planet but there's this bright spot and it says and there's an arrow pointing to it too which I just I love that touch yeah. and it says they grew up way over here back where the war began and then the you know the arrow you know it's kind of like these these different panels as if you're using like Google Maps or something and you're, and you're pinching your touch screen to make the map bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. and you're getting a better yeah. view of it and then you get uh, kind of a closer look at, at uh, the planet Landfall it says uh, this is Landfall largest planet in the galaxy and also my mother's home and then there's the moon uh, it's one and only satellite is uh, Reef, uh my father's native moon um, if there was ever a time these two got along, nobody remembers it. So that tells us these guys have pretty much always been enemies. Right. Like they've never gotten along. And so really war isn't all that surprising between these two factions. Yes. Yes. Um, we and, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to kind of continue. And now we're, we're back into a, a panel where you see like a lot of city in the background and there's people flying these weird horse looking yeah, it's creatures, like a pegasus type also, deal they've also got like a beak thing going right, on too right. it's really weird it says <clears throat> when the war with restarted it was fought amidst the general population in cities like this one landfall's capital um and then we go back down to a street level and there's the royal embassy um but because the destruction of one would only send the other spinning out of orbit both sides began to outsource combat to foreign lands Sounds familiar. Yes. Um, while peace was restored at home, again, I know one of those things you could kind of relate to a little bit. Absolutely. People yeah. do that here on Earth. Um, obviously not other planets, but other countries. Yes. Um, while peace was restored at home, the conflict soon engulfed every other world, uh, with each species forced to pick a side planet or moon. Uh, some of the locals never stopped thinking about the battles being waged in their names on distance. Well, familiar. Um, most didn't really give a crap. And then... On that last yes. panel, we are actually inside the embassy, I believe, right. the royal embassy, and there's a caption that says, deeper. Deeper. And we flip the page, and it is two of the robots engaged intimately, yeah. uh, nude, and they really do appear to be humans except that robot face. And, and I mean that anatomically all over. Yep. They're humans. Muscles, whatever, chest, stomachs, legs, arms. And this is one of the moments that I really love. I mean, of course, naked robots copulating is pretty interesting and perhaps even awesome in a weird way. Yeah. But the moment they're they're engaged and he of a screen, you mentioned that sometimes uh, images all show up on the television screen of mm -hmm. his face. Um, maybe showing his emotional stare or whatnot. And what you see is very quickly sort of blinks on the screen is uh, a broken horn, bloody. Yeah. And he just sort of, it, it clicks out. You can almost imagine the TV going, right. and like it sort of clicks out. And as I sort of interpret it, 
he's having a flashback to something that happened in the war. Yeah. And it's taking him out of the moment. This is one of the things I really did enjoy about Ex Machina as the main character had these flashbacks that he was sort of dealing with. Mm-hmm. It, it, it strikes me as very real. Like, yeah. you know, thank God I haven't had to, uh, you know, to serve in our nation's armed forces because our boys and girls, they go out there and they, they see some really rough stuff. Come back and, with PTSD. And... Right, you know, shell shock, whatever you want to call it. Combat fatigue. And it, it sort of ruins their intimate moment and he plays it off. Uh, but I really feel that this is the kind of thing that probably a lot of different people went through is they returned from war and tried to be with their families and couldn't shake these these horrifying moments. And so this robot is dealing with the same thing. Uh, You know, they they sort of disengage and um, the alligator butler of the (laughs) Royal Embassy, a lot of these sort of amalgamations of different animals and species put together to create these sort of alien looking races and and species, whatever. And so their alligator butler, I'll call him Pennyworth. 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 uh, so Mr. Pennyworth uh, interrupts. Oh, I, I do want to mention yes, one please. thing, though. When we're talking about these aliens, one thing really strikes me. Yes, they're exotic and like nothing we've ever seen before, but also they are very much so like what we've seen before because it's all using real world stuff. Right. Ram horns, insect wings, television sets, right. alligators. Yes. But they're kind of put into like this weird hybrid of new species. So that also, I think, helps make this kind of relatable yeah. even in the character designs because like i said they're they're like these weird bizarre hybrids but it's all things that you've seen before just kind of mashed together right. into new species right. so i think that's really cool yeah it's it's not totally bizarre but it is very strange yeah. if you will yeah the the monkey guy that owns the, the monkey guy yeah. and and doesn't that isn't that totally like a like a play on what what do you call uh grease monkeys right the, oh, the yeah, people that work enough. on cars and yeah, stuff, yeah, and it like just it. so happened that it was a monkey that owned the body shop. Dude, I, I didn't pick up on that, but so, I think you're right. I yeah. think, yeah, it's, I think it's obvious. I think Vaughn and, and, and Staples are, are being really clever Absolutely. with just basic character design. Yeah, and I think uh, in the back of the book, Vaughn does credit Staples with a lot of the design choices, and man, she really comes through on this. The other thing, briefly, is just the art itself. It, it, it's very. I don't know if this is exactly what they did, but also, it feels like watercolors. I hope I didn't like insult any mechanics out there. I don't know if grease monkey is <laughs> like a derogative or not that I have heard, but yeah. just in case, I'm sorry too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just making the point, guys. You know, yes, it's a term people use. I don't know if it's a good or bad one or neutral. Yeah. So, so the robots are fighting on behalf of the land falling soldiers. And so the interruption is because a uh, Prince robot is being interrupted by special agent Gale, yeah. who has what appear to be bat wings. So I'll That's call right. him Bruce. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> special he, agent. He's Gale. wearing a cow. He's got a belt on. Yes. Um, yes. He's dressed like a bat. Yep. And, no. But uh, he, he's sitting back in a chair, and he's playing with his phone, basically. Yeah. He's like uh, complaining about how his, his phone froze. Or and whatever. how real world is that? It's, it happens to people all the time. It's like, oh, my app was auto updating itself. And now the whole thing's frozen. That's happened to me before. Absolutely. You know? you know, if you were selective about the descriptions used and the dialogue you chose, 
you could read or share an edited version of this story and nobody would have any idea that this is taking place in a fantasy science fiction world that's you could just talk about the phone and you know the conversations that are giving birth and it would just seem like a human experience yeah yeah absolutely it's so well made holy crap so special agent gail is coming to prince robot to let him know about Elena and basically that she is a wall and give her a little history and let her know that she needs to be tracked down. Yeah. That she has, she disappeared after contact with a soldier who we find out was Marco. And you know, the prince's um, question is the Mooney kidnapped her and Gail replies, we hoped, but then three months ago, an ATM camera on civilian turf caught this image and it shows them holding. She's obviously pregnant in this image. And it zooms in on their hands, and they appear to be wearing wedding rings. Yeah. So a lot of these sort of just like the, you know, the wing bleeding, that a lot of this cultural stuff that, you know, we here on Earth do experience or whatever. Right. Um, and identifies that this is sometimes a wedding tradition. And so Prince, you know, he understands. You're saying she willingly laid down with one of those monsters? So they they want to track it down. Yeah. They it seems I, like I they're feel concerned. Like, I don't I don't mean to interrupt again, no, but to to keep grounding this in the real world, I feel like maybe they're making commentary on racism between these two species. I mean, oh, like, obviously, like there's intermarriage between blacks and whites. Exactly. In the South or, yeah. Exactly. I, I think I think Vaughn's using, you know, two different peoples from completely different bodies in space. But also, I, I do feel like there's a little bit of social commentary there. That's right. I it, really do. At the very least, it forces you to reflect yeah. on those issues. And, and, and think about them. all the racism that you do find in war in the real world, whether it's, you know, against the Vietnamese, whether it was against the Japanese. Yeah. I mean, West Asia the, right now. Yeah. yeah. So I, once again, I think it keeps it very grounded, you know? So the, we're back to the family and they've got this map. They're down in the sewer. Marco is lighting their way with a floating blue ball of light. Yeah. You know, Ma uh, Marco does have some skill with magic. Uh, Elena took a gun off one of the uh, fallen soldiers and they describe it as a heartbreaker, which yeah. it's just a funny, neat weapon. They, uh, it basically makes you feel really bad. Uh, so it's just kind of an interesting <laughs> right. play on it. Kind of like a, like a taser or something. Yeah. Like yeah that pistol yeah. seems to be pistol style. You know? yeah, yeah. You get a, your first look at the map and it really is just sort of this handwritten deal. It appears to be handwritten to me. Uh, it's not a photographic map. It's it's just drawn. Yeah. And there's some funny uh, places. There's the River of Tranquility, the woods, the uncanny bridge, and the rocket ship forest. Right. Which is a lot of fun. Which and she, she ends up being their, their destination. Right, too. right. Elena, it's not real. Says who? Most of this plan is still uncharted, even by the natives. And we've both seen weirder stuff out here. Marco, even if spaceships did grow on trees, where would we take one? And guys, I'm going to spoil a little bit. Rocket ships do grow on trees. <laughs> <laughs> Absurd, funny, hilarious. Um, I, I do like this part where uh, 
you know, they're considering their next move, and uh, Marco's reaction is, is, face it, our only choice is to lay low and stay out of trouble. We have a thing, family to t- think about now. And Elena erupts. Don't you ever say those words to me. We have a family to think about is the rallying cry of losers. It's just some great dialogue in here. Yeah. And, you know, they got to be adventurous. They're just forced in a spot where... You know, they, they can't take conservative action. They have to go out there and make hard choices and go for it. Yeah. The next character we meet is maybe my favorite character in this book. Uh, I'm very interested to find out which one. Okay. Well, you know, because there's there, a pair of there, them. There, there are yeah. two very cool characters. That's right. What in the, crap is the Will and Lion Cat. The Will, we shortly learn, is a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Um and Lion Cat is his companion. Lion Cat, I'll, I'll describe briefly, uh, the size of a big cat, a tiger or a lion, uh, but sort of the body shape of a house cat. Yeah. And we shortly discover that Lion Cat has this really neat ability to tell if you're lying. That's right. Like, and I don't think... That's, that's the one word it, it will say, it will is, say lying. is lying. Yeah, yeah. So it calls out. So anyway, the will and Lion Cat approach a cave with this monstrous creature pulls out of the cave a little ring on his yeah. finger he's sort of a knuckle dragger looks like a, a gorilla shaped body but he's got horns and a, and a funny looking face and, and and might i say we could use a lion cat in washington dc am i right hey <laughs> uh probably would <laughs> This giant creature breathes fire. Uh, Will has this, the Will has this sort of cape and cowl. He pulls the the cape up to block the fire, pulls some gunpowder off of his uh, utility belt, um, and chucks it at this giant creature's head. It actually says bat gunpowder, too. Bat gunpowder, it does. does. (laughs) Damien swings through, and... And then the the creature's head explodes. Yes, it's so cool looking, too. And uh, we meet a, uh, I guess, a Rethian person. It's this woman, an older woman. She has, like, a unicorn horn coming from her forehead. And she's looking to hire the will. She's got her own magical skill. Uh, The will is... The will is upset that, that this creature was sort of an audition to see if he was a good enough uh, bounty hunter yeah and, and he doesn't like that he seems to have a love of living things and yeah. really appreciates it and is is upset that he wanted he had to kill it just to be auditioned for a job so you, you get a little sense of his character mm-hmm. he, he's a he's got some heart to him but she projects this magical force field to keep him back and uh the bounty hunters here are, are called freelancers and as I recall, when we meet new ones or hear about new ones, they always have the in front of their name. So yes. the will, the stock. That's how they're referred to for whatever reason. And uh, just like Special Agent Gale was informing the robot prince about sort of what's going on, who these soldiers are, she's hiring the will to hunt them down too. So uh, Elena, Marco, and the child are being hunted by multiple sides in the war. Yes. And uh, Vez, the uh, Rethian woman, says that the Tablets of Prophecy have just revealed that he'll soon be responsible for the deaths of millions of innocent souls. And Lion Cat gets her, perhaps, first line, lying. Yeah. 
So we get a little bit more of that. She hires the will, gets a white card, which I guess is a bottomless credit yeah, card. Yeah. And one of the interesting things, too, about this character is I guess she wants Elena and, and Marco eliminated, right? But don't hurt the baby. Re regardless of who the parents are, we're still talking about an infant here. Right. Whereas I feel like with Prince Robot, that's not necessarily the objective. Am I am I correct in that? I, I don't I don't remember that Special Agent Gale gave any specific instructions yeah. as to the care of the baby. But but never made a point to give show any concern for the child at all. Yeah. It was very much like, oh gosh, I didn't even know they could do that. You know, to me. Even though they don't explicitly say it, I, I still feel like that side kind of feels like maybe it's an abomination. Right. You know what I mean? That that maybe, you know, not necessarily they, they definitely want to destroy it, but I don't think that they would really mind if it were destroyed and, and capturing Marco and Elena. Flipping back through here, I don't see any specific instructions he's given yeah. her regarding the baby. It's just sort of a feeling that I have about those characters. They, they all seem to have their own sort of morality and their, their system of beliefs and that, you know, they're, they're different cultures. Yeah. They've got different values. Hey, kind of sounds like Earth again. Yes. It's, it's yes. weird how this, how this story keeps doing that. Hmm. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Elena and Marco uh, are getting out of the sewer and they're considering their next move. They talk about these horrors that they might be facing uh, and sort of arguing about how real they are and their experiences with these, you know, perhaps imagined creatures they'll be facing. When they come to a cliff and a, really a great splash page, Elena over the shoulder of Elena and Marco looking down into this cliff where a ginormous battle is being fought, yes. uh, including a huge turtle dragon thing. Yes. Yes. And it's like a <laughs> tank. It's shooting lasers out of his yeah. eyes. That really does appear to be like a tortoise or something. And then these sort of more insect like um, flying vehicles and just mayhem, mayhem. And it's so beautiful that the blues, the oranges, Gosh. It's really pretty gorgeous. Really? Like, I, how much do you think, like, and just to, just to throw an, an estimate out there, just a, a guesstimate, how much do you think the original art for that would be worth? Oh, dude, I mean, if you don't know, this like, comic is really blown up. And yeah. Issue one is like a $50, $100 comic, depending on the, the I've, I've seen it for upwards printed. of 150 uh, Upwards of 150 Yeah. I imagine very popular. that original art from this Specifically in the thousands this splash. Of, oh, I mean, like, like ten grand. I, I, I can imagine that. I, I wish I couldn't, yeah. but I can't imagine people spending that much. I mean, it's it's beautiful, first of all, and then probably it's also very large. I believe yeah. when they originally do the art, it's it's oh, much yeah. larger and then it's downsized and, for the printing and, in the comic. And the fact that this is like a, a big splash page too, yeah. I think, is what you call this. Yeah. In, instead of like a normal page where there's several panels, this encompasses two pages right. and it's nothing but the one image i know? don't know but i could imagine it and being like a you know six by eight you know painting on your <laughs> wall or something that something would be ridiculous. so cool yeah so they notice this battle very depressing that the front line of the war is so close and you know just so much love and uh the dialogue's so good here we we learned that the baby's name who uh we do get some more narration. Her name is Hazel. Hazel, yes. Um, and they're, they're talking and they're trying to figure out a name. The, the, uh, Hazel 
gives us the name herself. And yeah. the, Elaine and Marco are still struggling with it. Yeah, but they do decide that they want to start it with the letter H. The letter H. Yeah. Something with an H. We're getting close. Yeah, it's that, on the tip of my tongue. I, I love this this moment, too, because to me, I'm not sure about publication date, but I feel like they're taking a little jab at Marvel with this because they're they're, they're, yeah. they're talking to each other. And, um, you know, Marco's talking about, uh, no, but you and I have survived worse, worse uh, scraps together. And this time we have something else on our side. And the panel goes to the baby and says, we have hope. And then uh, hope from uh, yeah, Messiah. Hope, hope Summers, yeah. Yeah, 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 because she was the first mutant born after whatever genocide right, happened to the mutants, yeah. and it's kind of a cheesy name. And I love how potentially again, depending on on when I think this actually came after Hope Summers okay. was was a character. So I, she, Elena goes, "If you think I'm calling my daughter that, I want a divorce." And he's like, "Seriously, too corny." <laughs> like I just I love that. Yeah, I like to think they were poking Marvel a little bit. A little bit. I, I can dig that. I think that's possible. So, um, but it, the narration goes, you know, my name is Hazel and it goes back to this, this concept of ideas. You know, I started out as an idea, but ended, ended up being something, uh, but ended up something more, not much more, to be honest. It's not like I grow up to become some great war hero or any sort of all important savior, but thanks to these two, at least I get to grow old. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It's so sweet. It's Kevin, you want to give me a hug? Love, man. It's it's really beautiful stuff. Will you be my Marco? Yes, I will. <laughs> I'll be your Elena if you want, if you need me to. Okay. <laughs> adult content, adult content, yes. listener discretion yes, advice. Exactly. And we get that last that last page. The couple's kissing. kissing, Marco's holding the baby. And after after that that last comment of but but thanks to these two, at least I get to grow old, the commentary on this final page is not everybody does. It's in the background, some glowing red eyes. Yeah. Which I sort of glossed over, but that is how the horrors were partly described. So, you know, she we know that Hazel will probably live through this, but you know. Cliffhanger for the yeah. last issue, maybe Marco and Elena. And that won't. and that last line was was Hazel just making a general statement about some people die early? Was she talking specifically about the parents? Yeah. Is she talking about other characters that will be introduced later on? The the Will, Lion Cat, or, or or people that we've not met yet? Right. It's a very potentially foreboding statement. Yes, yes. And and certainly the glowing yeah. eyes, glowing red eyes in the background, uh kind of underscore it. But what a dude, this is a first issue. Really cool stuff. Oh my not because not every series look, okay. So so far now at this point we've only done two series. One Batman the the, the Court of Owls, right. which also had a pretty solid debut issue. And yes. Saga has a solid debut issue, but not every volume does. Some That's of right. them are very much they're just laying foundation and it's a little bit dry, and then you really get to the good stuff in issue two, three, right, whatever. Right. This one, issue one, just throws you right into everything. That's awesome. Fantastic. And and although I will be honest, I think it improves. I think as the series goes further, it really just adds layers of depth. But um, some of my favorite touches, you know, the writing here is really good. Oh the dialogue is great. Um, when they're about to kiss at the end. You know, they're they're getting closer, and Elena mentions, my breath is atrocious. It's something that you would say if you've ever been, you know, up late at a party, and, yeah. you know, you and some chick are getting close, and she's like, oh, my breath is so bad. You're like, baby, it's all right. right. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a real thing. Yes. It's very real. I love it. 
there's a lot of cool stuff. You know, I think some of the things that I really enjoyed are this crazy blend of the familiar and the, the absurd, uh, you know, all, all these things that touch on our human culture, the wing bleeding, uh, the robot having the flashback, Agent yeah. Gale just messing with his, his cell phone and, and the wedding rings they, they wear are, are maybe not familiar to the characters involved, but they're really familiar to us. They're right. issues that we deal with. And the art, fantastic. This is just really a stellar book. Really, if you've, if most of you, if you're listening to this, you've probably read Saga at this point. But hey, you know what? Not everyone has this going to listen to this. Pick it up. It's awesome. Pick it up. It's so good. It's awesome. As good as this first issue was, like you said, it just gets better. I really do think so. I, you know, I look back and there's so much to appreciate about this book, but at the same time. I think I love this first issue more after I've read more of the story and gotten to know more of the characters. Um, because of the groundwork this yeah, it, it does set a lot. It's, it's quality. I'm going to gush. It's horrible. Yeah. Now, one of the, the things that I think is unique to this book is, y'all, it's got a great letters page. Uh, it's really special, and, and there's a few books that do it. Walking Dead has a really good letters page. Mm-hmm. This, to me, though, is maybe the best. Now it's a first issue. So nobody's read anything. Nobody's written in, you know, but Vaughn does give a little, a little blurb at the end, just sort of to talk about the book and invite some letters. Uh, and I'd like to read just a small portion of it. Um, this is Vaughn. New comic series don't have fans. They have families, small groups of diverse people who band together to help keep alive some weird thing that matters only to them. (laughs) So to those of you who finish this issue and think you might want more space helicopters and naked robots in your future, welcome to the tribe. I'm going to skip a little bit of the body and just sort of go to the end. And please don't submit any story ideas or unpublished fiction. They'll be fed to the dachshund unread, and I'll presume all letters are okay for publication unless you specifically mark it private, in which case I'll in which case I'll keep this missive close to my heart before forwarding to the proper authorities. Um, uh, the part I wanted to read, I uh, missed. He says, he says his modem's broken somewhere in here. And so the thing is, he only takes snail mail. He only takes handwritten. Well, I, I, I imagine he could type it. God, with my handwriting, I hope so. Right. If I ever write in. Um, and, you know, as we go on, I might, I might find stuff from the letters columns to share because it's really cool. And the letters are often as or more heart touching than the story itself. The, this book really did impact a lot of people. And, uh, you know, month to month, this is one of my favorite books. They're on hiatus right now. I think they're taking a six-month break. Yeah. And, dude, I can't wait till this junk starts again. It's just really awesome. And you think, you know, it's uh, currently there's 18 published issues. It's a year and a half of books. And it's just number 18. And, you know, a lot of your favorite comic series might be in the 50s, 60s, 100s, or right. whatever. You know, this is a, an epic story. And and. I'm going to be growing older as I read this. And it's one of those things I imagine, you know, eventually the series will end and like, dude, if I don't cry a couple of times, I'm going to be disappointed in myself. I got to have a heart of stone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some good stuff. It is. It is. Um, 
Hopefully so, we can do it justice on the cast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving things along yeah. each week, we give our top pick of the week. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess I'll start things off as sure. usual. Yeah, I, I um, always push it on you. <laughs> it's, it's not a Marvel. It's not a DC. It's not even an image. Oh. I, my pick of the week is from boom studios. Okay. Who some people might know for uh, like they did uh, the irredeemable uh, series of Mark Wade. Yeah, and he's got the other writing. book. Is it irredeemable and uh, incorruptible? Incorruptible, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they have a new book out called Translucid, okay. and it just came out this past week. Obviously, it's topic of the week for me. Um, it's really interesting. It's a concept that I think has been done before in in some way, in where you have like this little kid and he's drawing out characters and coming up with these ideas, and we go from his reality to his fantasy, which is where like the real superhero stuff happens is in this fantasy world that he's creating. But then it also cut back to his real life and you don't see a whole of an issue one, but there's a lot of potential for there to be parallels between what's really happening to this kid. Who's probably, it doesn't say, but I'm guessing somewhere in the range of eight to 10. Okay. I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to find out what happens. I don't want to say a whole lot about what happens in his reality, because it is something that I think a lot of people can relate to, and they're okay. probably going to want to read it for themselves. Sure. Um, but definitely check out translucent number one. If you're into, into something, um, that is a superhero story, but kind of a, of a different one. No, right on. Right on. So I was tempted to do Batman 30 or Batman eternal, but I think I will resist the urge and instead go with mercenary C as an ocean mercenary C number three. Um, a different kind of book than I would probably typically pick up. It's sort of this pulpy. Uh, it's an image book. It is an image yep. book. Uh, it takes place uh, just before World War II in the Pacific Theater, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that, um, in a sub. And it's this sub crew of mercenaries. And uh, really cool, interesting art style. Um, a lot of the art does a little bit remind me of Saga with its sort of... Uh, uh, maybe not watercolors, but the, the sort of texture of colors, blues and reds that sort of, you know, each page feels like it's themed by a color almost. Um, but, but really pulpy, really like an Indiana Jones type yes. experience and a lot of fun. And it made me recall reading uh, years ago, Hunt for Red October, and just, you know, they're calling out the orders in the ship, you know, starboard, 22 degrees, plunge, and the, yeah. you know, the bombs are coming in, and a lot of fun, really enjoyable. Man, I'm so, I'm so happy to say that that is one of, of our better, I almost fell off my stool, <laughs> that's Careful. one of our better selling image titles now, because like, I, I really tried to turn a lot of people onto it when the first issue came out, because I, I love the first issue. Yeah. Like you said, it's on issue three now, but it's not getting a whole lot of hype online. I, I don't know. I almost didn't pick it up. Bill here at the shop, he had suggested it to me and I just sort of, you know, went with it on a whim. And I'm really glad I did. Yeah, uh, it's you know, a quality book. It's it's, it's entertaining. And they do interesting stuff in there. Uh, some of it I didn't pick up on at first, but it's it's not as like hyper detailed as some other books out there, but it definitely has really neat touches. When we were describing Batman, I was talking about that one scene where the lights from overhead were blurred and it had this very interesting realistic effect. And what they'll do in, in mercenary C is not always hyper realistic looking, uh, but neat touches where 
objects in the foreground or background might be blurred out as you would see as you're focusing on different things mm-hmm. and just sort of neat touches. Uh, yeah. Not an art expert, but a lot of that stuff just it's really cool. Yeah, I, I really wish it would get more attention than it does, but because obviously Image puts out some great stuff, including Saga, yes. Walking Dead, Revival, and Mercenary Sea. And I just feel like maybe as Manhattan more, Projects, Manhattan <laughs> Projects, yes. And I, I feel like maybe as it comes out, more and more people will start to give it a little bit of attention, especially like once the volume one trade comes out, right, right. that might be a big boost to it. I just, I wish it got a little bit more praise than it does. Image has a lot of number ones, and unlike Marvel, these are actually new series, so they're legit number ones. And they come out with them, like, almost every week, so to be fair, I can totally understand why some of them would kind of get lost in the shuffle That's right, you gotta pick and choose. But but still, I, I feel like I really want Mercenary C to be higher up on the list than yeah. it is. But like Hell it is Simons, it is. I forget the uh, artist on it, but really neat book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So awesome, dude. Saga, volume one, issue two yes. in the books. And we'll be doing this for how many issues is in volume I one? I believe there there's uh, six issues six. to an arc. Yes. Yeah. So six episodes of Stormfront Comic. I'm so excited. Dude, way too early to talk about this, so we're not going to get into it. But this is going to be hard to top. If we can top it with the next story arc that we do, we we gotta. We're setting the bar really high, really early on in this podcast. No, it's true. Like we said, we're going for our favorite stuff. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is really good. So let's do this one or that one. But yeah. um, it'll be all right. We'll figure out something. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Saga Volume One. It really might be hard to beat. But but there is this this book that you may have heard about called Saga Volume Two, <laughs> yes, which we we could you know it'll compete. You yeah, know, maybe absolutely. Um. Anyway, as always, check out 336cast.com for yes. previous episodes of the Storm Pro Comic Cast. It's very possible that if you're listening to this right now, this is the first time you've tuned in because yeah. we are starting a, a new story arc. Go back and, and check out Batman the Court of Owls. It was a good time. Yeah, um, and also, if this is your first time listening to us, it's not normally so noisy in the background. Like, yeah. I think, big shout out to Gray Miller. Gray. At, at Gray LVC on Twitter. He is the guy that mixes all of my podcasts that I have at 336cast.com. He makes sure that, that, that they sound good. He's the and, magician behind the scenes, I tell you. And he's going to be really good at minimizing what's going on in the background. <laughs> but it's definitely, as you already know, since you've got to this point in the, in the podcast, there's some rambling going on yeah. in, the, in the background. The but, store is open at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're about to have a Heroclix tournament. Um, it's not always like this. Normally, it's... it's like we're in a studio. Yes. Well, hopefully this adds that that vibe that there's a sense of community going right. on behind community, us. Community, baby. That's, that's right. right. We we have a, a shop full of people, which is more than any other comic shop in Art Show or High Point can say. Boom. That's right. I said it. Boom. <laughs> Boom but anyway, um, thank you, thank you for doing the podcast with me, dude. You. Thank you for doing the show with me. A real um, pleasure. Absolutely. And I guess we will talk to all you guys next week with Saga Issue Two. See you guys next so, week. Three three six cast dot com. Bye.